In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The theme for our Advent season this year, each Wednesday night, is simply this, the ageless questions of Advent. We're going to take a look at a question each Wednesday and see how Scripture draws upon it, see how you draw upon it, and see how it points to our Advent season. Tonight our question is simply this, the question of John the Baptist. Are you the one or should we look for another? Let's be honest, you have all asked that question about God. When things go good, we don't necessarily say those things about God, those kinds of questions about God. In fact, when things are going really well, we tend to ignore God. But when the rubber hits the road, when our back is up in against the corner of the wall, when things come to a screeching halt, when pain, suffering, misery, disaster, questions, sickness, and even death arise suddenly, we look to God and we simply say like John the Baptist, are you the one or should we look for another? And where is it that you might look apart from God? I could probably list a thousand different things that I have looked for throughout my life apart from God social statistics, reading up on psychology and sociology, looking at politics of the world, looking at trends amongst communities like ours versus larger communities and smaller communities, looking to various self-help doctors, maybe who are on the internet or TV or even on my favorite podcast, looking for anything, anyone to give me some sort of answer for the dilemma my rear end is in. And John the Baptist echoes those words tonight. Think about John the Baptist for a moment. John the Baptist is six months older than Jesus. His mother Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. John the Baptist meets Jesus in the womb of his mother while Jesus is in the womb of Mary. And scripture tells us that he leaps for joy as he comes into the presence of the Christ. Later on, John the Baptist introduces the world to who the Messiah is. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus would go down to the Jordan River and simply tell John, I need to be baptized by you to fulfill all righteousness. John came as one who called out for the Messiah to come, and he was the last prophet, basically, of the Old Testament. He is sort of this character that is the bridge between the Old Testament of your Bible and the New Testament. He is the last one to point to Jesus. And now it's time for him to get out of the way. John the Baptist goes to a party at King Herod's palace, he calls King Herod out on the carpet for committing adultery. King Herod puts him in prison and sentences him to death to have his head removed. As we hear later on, it would be, he would be beheaded at the request of a little girl at this party that they are having. And nonetheless, John the Baptist sits in prison the cousin of Jesus, the one that Jesus told us here tonight. There is no one greater amongst women than John the Baptist. 
He's rotting in prison. I'd be asking the same question. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? I'm your cousin. I'm your own flesh and blood, Jesus. Jesus, who says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. And oh, by the way, when I was in prison, you visited me. He does not come and visit John the Baptist. He doesn't even try to spring him out. He could call down a legion of angels to spring John out of prison and be on his merry way. But Jesus leaves him there. Why? Because John the Baptist is done with what he was born to do, to proclaim the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. I very much want you to think about John the Baptist as sort of the best man at Jesus' wedding. We don't think about the best man necessarily as the way the ancients would in Jesus' time at a wedding. In the ancient world, the best man was actually the one who would introduce the bride, bride to the groom. He would be the one who would introduce the husband and wife at the wedding, and then he would get out of the way. It wasn't like a wedding where we have attendants on either side and all of these other things, and his main job is not to faint and maybe to carry the ring for you or whatever else it is or make a toast at your reception. The job of the best man in Jesus' day was simply to introduce the bride to the groom. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus introduces you, the bride of Christ, to your bridegroom, the Savior of the world. And now it is literally time for him to receive his reward, the salvation of his soul, the crown of everlasting life, even though his head would be lopped off. But even then, as John the Baptist sits in prison, he asks this question, are you the one or shall we look for another? The question rings true for you and for me. And that's okay. It's okay because everything that we face in this life and in this world, even with all of our financial support and our technology and all of the information at our fingertips, even with everything we can plaster in front of us and our screens each and every day, life still stinks. It really does. Because we live in a broken and dark world where people do not know the love of God nor the love of each other. And even we as Christians can ask this question, are you the one? Or maybe we should look somewhere else. I want you to take heart with how Jesus answers John. Go tell John what you hear and see, he says to John's disciples. Jesus doesn't even write a letter he doesn't even go to see John through the window of the prison, if there was one, and say it's going to be okay. He simply tells John, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. 
Jesus is saying, I'm with my bride. I'm with the one who I came for. People who are sick, people who are broken, people who cannot see or hear, even people who have died. And oh, by the way, I'm preaching good news of life and salvation to the poor. Jesus tells John, I'm where I'm exactly where I need to be with my bride and I don't want to be anywhere else. Jesus says to you tonight, this is where he desires to be with you. But it does not come through success and better politics and better finances and better health and whatever else it is. It simply comes by the word of God. And yes, you've heard that over and over through Sunday school classes and sermons before, but it is true. Don't take that for granted. Because as the prophet Amos said tonight, the Lord our God can easily take this word away from us and give it to somebody else who would appreciate it. He talks about through Amos that there are those who will seek and try to find the word of the Lord and not be able to find it, and they will fall and never rise again. The word of God, Jesus Christ in flesh and blood, is in your midst. He's speaking to you the best sentence you could ever hear to calm all of your fears and all of your troubles. I have redeemed you. I love you so much that I have laid down my life for you. I have taken on all of your pain, your sickness, your sorrow, all of your shame and guilt, no matter how unfaithful or how many questions you have asked of me, I will continue to pour out myself to you so that you may know that I am the one who has come for you and not another. And so that in the end, you might be reminded that Jesus is not the one who shakes in the wind going to and for, fro, changing his mind. He's not one at times that even sees it seems to be attractive, wearing soft clothing and looking like somebody that we want to desire to follow after. He is one who speaks. He is one who loves. He is one who dies, and he's one who rises, all for you, so that you may be looked upon by him as his bride, and so that he may say of you, you are not least in the kingdom of heaven, but you are now the greatest. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.